Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wow, let's take our seats and uh, trust you've come with open hearts. You got something to write a few notes down? If you haven't, just write them on the collar of the person in front of you. (laughs) Ah, I just love spending time with the Holy Spirit and uh, just trusting God. I read the Word for Today devotion this morning. Some of you might read that one. And it talked about how much God loves us. And he was sort of asking the question, how come we don't grasp that more than we do or should and rest in it? He said, because on this earth, we don't have anything to really fully compare with how incredible his love is. Thanks, Matt. Let's give a big hand to Matt. Einside, bless your mind. And I thought, wow, that's so true. We have human love and we have some incredible experiences on this earth, but none of them can fully comprehend the unconditional, overwhelming, never-ending love of God. And so we, we, we wrestle and struggle with um, acceptance and rejection and all that stuff. And, but when you really just get immersed in God's love, a lot of that stuff just melts away. And God wants us to learn to live in that. I thought, what a beautiful thing. Because it says God's perfect love drives out fear. When I was younger, whenever I'd have fear, I'd pray for courage. God, give me more courage, more boldness. And that's okay. But a few years ago, I changed my prayer because I got a hold of that scripture and said, whenever I'm afraid, I say, Lord, give me more of your love. Because when I'm filled up with his love and so aware of his presence, nothing can bring fear to me anymore. Because you just know you're filled and overflowed with the almighty God and his love and acceptance and grace and confidence comes and freedom flows. So whenever I'm afraid, I say, Lord, more of your love, more of your love. Just fill me because it drives out fear. There's just no place left for it. Today we want to uh, do this session, Marilyn and I are going to share on, on the healing ministry. What an amazing thing, full of mysteries. And we want to talk a little bit about physical healing, making room for that, flowing in it, and also ministering into people's souls for emotional and spiritual healing and release. And uh, there's no way we can cover that in an hour this morning, but we want to sow some seeds, share some stories, just inspire you as pastor leaders to make room for that to happen. And as I shared yesterday with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to run after it, to go after it. And sometimes we get discouraged, we pray for a few people that have got cancer and some of them live and some of them die. And you can just sort of think, oh God, this is too hard. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of the church believing for a miracle and it doesn't happen. And so sometimes we just pull back and play it safe. And we pray the prayer, Lord, if it's your will, bring them into healing and wholeness. And so we end up just playing a safe game instead of courageous faith where we go for all that God has called us to live in. And Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 in the Amplified says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's the amplified version of Isaiah and Jesus repeats that in 
and Luke 4. But there's some incredibly powerful thoughts in there that Jesus has come to set the captives free. A captive is someone who's held captive by something in their lives. It says he's also come to set the prisoners free. Someone who's in prison is in prison because they've done something wrong or there's been um, an offense or a crime. So Jesus comes to set people free, whether they're the cause of their problem or whether the enemy or someone else has come to bring captivity over their life. So let's not put condemnation on people. Jesus said, I've come to set everyone free. And just to show you, it's anyone who's a prisoner because of something they've done wrong and they're paying a penalty for their actions or reactions. But I've also come to set the captives where the enemy or someone else has just captive, made people captive because of abuse or strongholds or whatever it is. So Jesus covers it all. And then he clearly says that I've come to bring release from confinement and condemnation. How beautiful is that? That the ministry of the Spirit of God is to release people from confinement, restriction, limitation, boundaries that are unhealthy over their life. How many people are locked up in their minds and we settle for way less than what God has for us? And, and limitations over our souls and confinement and condemnation. One of the great tricks of the enemy is to condemn us that we're not good enough, we're not spiritual enough, we're not powerful enough, we're not equipped enough. When we just read last night that when the Holy Spirit comes upon, He gives us power and ability. Supernatural power and supernatural ability for all that will come across our path in our journey of life. And we don't always get it right first time or second time or the 150th time. But thank God for His grace that if we keep reaching out, He keeps reaching in and He will take us on the journey where we come into more freedom. And very often the places we grow in freedom is the most powerful places you minister to other people. And that's why we hate going through trials and difficulties. But that's the very place where we have to become an overcomer, not in theory, but in practice. And when we become an overcomer over sickness, over restrictions, over strongholds in our lives, we had then have a place of authority in that area. And no way is the enemy going to hold us again in that. So we then speak and pray and minister with authority to see them set free because we've got that place of boldness and confidence. You know, sometimes you'll meet people say, oh, I don't believe in healing today. And if you've been healed or your family's been healed, you come with great boldness and saying, wow, let me tell you a couple of stories. Don't get into a big theological debate. Just tell them some stories because that, that opens up their heart and their mind. That's what Jesus did all the time. What's the kingdom of God like? So he just told lots of stories to open people's minds from their small religious mindset that it was going to return to David's kingdom and that was how the kingdom of God was going. So he's just telling them all these stories that just didn't fit the paradigm. They just kept stretching them and stretching them. And so some people say, well, I don't know, I believe in healing. And I just tell them a story. I said, our first son was born, Stephen. He was born a, a month premie and, uh, and so he had uh, pneumonia when he was born on his lungs. So the third day he blew a hole in his lung and they rushed him from Nambour to Brisbane Hospital and and your first son, you're not sure how it's all going to go. And we're just praying and trusting God, saying, Lord, his life's in your hands. We believe. We know you can heal him. He's on 80% oxygen and tubes everywhere. I could only last 10 minutes in those places, all the tubes and needles and buzzers and doctors. Marilyn, she had the grace and she could stay there all day and, and be there and pray. And I'd come in and out because I'd be, just couldn't handle it. I'm, I know I'm not a doctor. <clears throat> and so 
But on the fifth day, at about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, all of a sudden he lets out a scream. He kicks off the humidity crib. There's buzzers. There's doctors running everywhere. I'd just left to go home and there was a prayer meeting happening and, and Marilyn's in there and they said they just rush in and take him out and then the, a while later bring him back and said, Mrs. Davey, I think he's hungry. Can you feed him? We'd only be able to just touch him through the thing, you know. And the next morning they come and they said, here's the x-rays before and after to show the hole in the lung and all the trapped air and they were doing that and you could see all the fluid and everything. And here's the one after last night. It's all clear and you could see the hole all healed up and they said, this is a miracle. There's no other explanation. This is in the Mater Hospital in Brisbane. And so some of them have Catholic faith and, and they said, this is a miracle. There's no way we can explain this, but this is a miracle. And a few days later, Marilyn's mum comes to visit us and she lived up in Gladstone and we're on the outside the room there on the veranda type thing in the hospital and telling her the story. And next minute she starts to cry. Then she tells us a story that I'd never heard that years before when she was younger and Marilyn and her sisters were young, she had a brain tumour and she was in that same hospital. And as she's getting wheeled down towards the final checkup before she has the um, very uh, risky brain surgery a long time ago when they were nowhere near as equipped, as she's going down, she sees a picture of Jesus and she sees Jesus in the hallway and says, Jesus, I'm too young to die. I've got four girls. There's no way my husband will be able to look after four girls. Said, just do something. She gets down the hallway and they do the check and the tumour's totally gone. She's a Catholic lady that wasn't a committed Christian. Same hospital, same area. And we have this holy moment of thanking God. I thought, God, you're a healer. I mean, I tell a few of those stories. The anointing comes and they, it does their head in. And they think, wow, maybe he does heal. And you've got your stories. And you don't want to walk through those with your first child. I'm not sure if they're going to live or die. And many of us have been through challenges in our own lives or our kids or our families or people in our church. And God shows up and does beautiful things. Sometimes a miracle, sometimes it's a journey of months or years of restoration. But you've got your stories that confirm that what Jesus said is true today, not just when he walked on the earth. And I love that it says he sets the captivity. It says he will bring them release in their physical and spiritual beings. And often God will do physical healing because it's so obvious to see. But he just so loves to heal our souls, our spiritual beings. And Mary Lynn's going to talk a bit more about that in a while. Luke 9, 1 to 2, Jesus got his 12 disciples. And then Luke 10, he sends 72 out. First 12 passed the test. He said, we'll send another batch out now. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, not just the little ones, all demons, and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, just in case they didn't get the diseases part. So he cured, said, set them free and heal them from diseases and sickness. If you do a bit of a study, it, it covers a broader range of what Jesus was trying to tell them. That's Luke 9, when Jesus was on the earth. Luke 10, he sends out 72. 
I don't see anywhere in Scripture where that command or commission has been revoked. That's still yours and my main mandate. And somewhere along the line, some of us have forgotten that. We get busy with church life and organizing rosters and, and training and equipping and, and reaching community, all this stuff which is all part of living out kingdom life. But sometimes I think we forget one of the core commands of Jesus is right there. And he goes on and says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and, and all those things. But I think we sometimes forget as ministers and leaders where it gets overwhelmed by all the other pressures and you've got everything today from workplace health and safety and you want to make sure you don't end in jail because you're not compliant and there's a thousand and one things to do in life and ministry but let's never forget this is the core of what God's called us to do to go he's given us power and authority to drive out demons cure diseases proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick Wow, wow, wow. I remember years ago when I first st stepped out in ministry at Budrum, I was 29 and Mary and Lynn and I were thrown in to take on a church and we never felt ready, but you never do. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember after a year or two, I said, Lord, how do we do this ministry stuff? And, and God showed up. We had a lot of stuff going on and God was very gracious. But I remember I was reading through the book of Acts and I heard, I heard a guy called David Pawson preach a sermon and it, one little line in his sermon wasn't even the whole title of his sermon he said if you want to if you want to change the world like the early church did so much that the the rulers and authorities when they were coming they says no they're the people that have turned the world upside down we want it the right side up but they had such an impact that when they were coming they're saying oh what are we going to do i don't hear too many of the world saying oh there's a new church started down the road what are we going to do and he, he was saying, how come they so impacted their world that everyone was either excited or afraid when they were coming to town? There were no doctors. But what happened was the Spirit of God spoke to David and said, you need to do words, deeds and signs. And this has been the foundation of my ministry ever since. He said, you need to teach, preach, live out the Word of God in fullness as well as you can. You need to do deeds, and that's where we do love and kindness and hospitality, caring for the poor and needy, and you need to make room for the signs and wonders and miracles. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. I was a young pastor just trying to work out how to do church life. He said, most churches are good at one or two, but very few are good at all three. And that's why we don't shake our communities like the early church did. And it was a word from God, and it just burned in my soul. I thought, wow, Lord, help me to do that. And there have been seasons where I think we've done pretty well. Other times I think, well, we've just sort of lost focus on that. Because the problem is, as a leader, you will gravitate automatically to one or two of those because that's your gift mix. And that's fine. That's the way God's designed you. But you'll have a team, you'll have a board, you'll have other people on there. And when someone raises the question, how come we're not helping the poor? And if you're a great preacher of the Word, don't shout them down because God's raising their voice up to say, hey, we need to do all three. Or, hey, we don't have enough signs and wonders. Right now. Oh, that's a bit scary. We won't go there. God's stirring some people in your church or the prophets that come through regularly say the same thing because he's trying to get that third leg of your chair into place 
And I thought about it. I thought, mate, the salvos, they're brilliant with the deeds, but some of them are a bit scared of the Holy Spirit. I thought the Baptists, they're amazing with the Word, but some of them are a bit scared of the Spirit or uh, preach and teach and don't always demonstrate. And you, you see some Pentecostals, they just focus on the signs and wonders and forget to preach the Word and to love people in the process. And I started to realize, you look at movements, denominations, individual churches, individual ministries, and I realized that was a word from heaven for my soul. Word, deed, sign. And, and you've got to fight to make space because you will gravitate to one or two because that's your gift mix. That's the way God's wired you up. And But he will make sure that your husband or your wife or a few others in your church or every time a visiting speaker comes through, they just feel led to preach on the thing that you lack. Thank you. Oh, no, not again. Don't resist it. Say, Lord, what are you trying to tell us? We're just a little bit slack or we're not sure or we're afraid to have that happening. Word, deed, sign. And it really helped me. Mark 16 says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Drive out demons, speak in your tongues. The snake thing, I'm not really into that snake thing, but anyway, picking up snakes. Deadly poison, we'll forget. Not really into that either. (laughs) (coughs) And then it goes on and says that they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. The Lord Jesus, after the Lord Jesus spoke to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out. I love this. They thought, well, we better try what Jesus said. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Wow, wow, wow. They just thought, well, Jesus, this is your last will and testament. People's last words are always powerful. They said, let's go and give it a go. Let's see what happens. And so they did. They made some mistakes, but they grew. And that's how the early church started. And I just believe the Spirit of God is just nudging some of our churches back into a healthier balance either on word deed or sign and not every church will be predominant in all three but you need to have some space for that to happen and in a community sometimes God will raise up like uh, the New Life Church they got We Care Too and their food bank and and all that stuff they do so we don't set one up in town because they're doing it better than us so we send a volunteer or two or pray for them regularly and work together there'll be someone else another church in your town that might be really great on certain areas. Don't compete with them. Work together and support them. You know, if they've got the evangelists coming through with signs and wonders, don't be afraid. Go along and get the overflow and it'll bless you. But often we're scared, thinking, oh, if we go there, they'll take our people. Occasionally that will happen, but if they go because of that, they weren't really strongly with you anyway. Hey? I learned that when I, was, when I first started the church at Budrum. I had all these big churches around us and churches going everywhere. We had about 50 people. Whenever, we didn't have a night service. Whenever there was a guest speaker somewhere else in, in one of the other big churches, I would take and say, hey, let's all go along and hear this. And some of the guys says, don't do that. You'll lose your people. I said, no, I won't. I said, if they're going to be captured by another church just because they go and visit somewhere else, their heart wasn't really strong with you or you're not leading out of faith. You're leading out of fear. And I just, you know, that's a challenge, but I've learned there's power in that because you build relationship and love and you are helping people to grow into maturity. 
And most of them will love you for it and say, hey, thanks for trusting us to go down there and be inspired at that seminar so we can come back and be a blessing in the church. Most of them will respond that way, not the other way, so long as you pastor and lead it. If they come back all excited and want to change your whole church, you don't need to sit down and have a conversation saying, that's an awesome thing. Let's look at how we can add that or a part of that into our ministry. But that's not what we're called to be fully. Just talk it through. And we've had some hiccups along the way. That's life. But it's very, very powerful. Jesus, it's interesting to note that Jesus didn't heal everyone when he ministered on earth. We get this idea that he heals everyone. And so when we pray for 25 sick people at a church meeting and only one of them gets healed and two others feel a bit better, we think we've failed. Jesus sometimes picked one out of the crowd. There were times when it says he healed everyone. There were times in the book of Acts where it says everyone was healed or all those who came with, um, that were demon-possessed were set free. But don't put an unrealistic pressure on yourself to think, well, it's not happening to everyone, therefore we must be failed and we don't have enough faith, so let's just close that down. The enemy will just squash us like that. And we think, oh, what are people going to think because I'm not spiritual enough or have enough faith to see God break through? Hey, most of them are just thankful that you're praying and supporting them in their journey of need. That's where the majority of people will respond. Hey, and let it flow. I love the beautiful thing about Jesus with the healing ministry. It says he only did what he saw the Father do. He would go and pray at night or in the morning. And then he'd go and do his day. And I reckon that he would get a download from the Father sometimes in his prayer time. Or probably the Father said, I'm going to be with you and there'll be a crowd there today. And I'll show you what to do when it happens. I don't reckon he had a videotape that showed him everything that was going to happen. A lot of it happened in the moment. He's walking down the street and the guy, blind man's crying out. And I reckon the conversation was going on, Father, do I respond to that cry? And he'd get the yes. That's how we are to respond and flow with the Holy Spirit now. That's what I believe. What the, Jesus had with the Father is what we can have with the Holy Spirit now. Because the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out and released to the same measure to the average person until the day of Pentecost. But I really believe that's how we are to live our Spirit-filled life. Holy Spirit, what do I do with this? How do I respond to this cry of need? Do I do that now or do I do that at the end of the service? I have that conversation going on all the time in my soul. And it's so precious. And sometimes you miss it. I share a story years ago, about six, seven years ago, I got a phone call to go up to the hospital and pray for this guy who was very ill. It was from a lady in New South Wales. She was a Christian. Said, I can't get up there. My elderly dad's ill. Can you go and visit him? So she told me what ward and what bed he was in with his name. So I go up to visit him and I get there and the bed's empty. I think, oh no, maybe he's gone home early. Maybe he's down getting some more tests and you, you haven't got hours to wait around because sometimes they can be gone for hours out of their bed. So I left my little card and as I'm walking out of the hospital, just a little bit disappointed, I'm coming down the hallway, there's this old guy on a wheelchair just wheeling himself very slowly down the hallway. And I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit say, stop and pray for him. 
So I'd just gone past him. So I walked back and I knelt down beside him and he was going pretty slow, so it didn't take long to get there. And, and I said, excuse me, sir, I can see that you're obviously not very well. And uh, could I just pray a prayer of blessing on you? Didn't come up and say, God's going to heal you. I just said, I pray a prayer of blessing. And I did that. And he just sort of shook my hand. He was quite weak. Then I got up and I'm walking and I'm about 10 paces down the hallway and the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks. He said, go back and lead him to me now. It was that clear. It was almost an audible voice. And then my, my mind goes, hold on. I've already embarrassed myself and stopped and prayed for someone I don't even know. How am I going to go back and pray a second time as if I didn't pray well enough first time? So your natural mind just goes, oh. But it was so clear the Holy Spirit nudged me. So I walked back and because he's going slow, it didn't take me too long to catch up to him. I said, excuse me, sir. I know I prayed a prayer for you, but I just wanted to ask you one more question before I go. I said, have you, I can see you're not well, but I said, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart and, and trusted him as your Lord and Savior? And I don't do that very often with a stranger. But it was the Holy Spirit was so sorry. He looked at me and he, for about 10 seconds, I didn't know if he heard me because he was old and I was about to repeat the question. He said, no, I haven't. And I said, would you like to pray that prayer now? And once again, he looked at me for about 10 or 15 seconds. I didn't know if he'd heard me, but then he sort of nodded his head and said, yes. So I prayed a prayer, led him to Christ, prayed blessing on him. He didn't jump out of his wheelchair. And then I walked off. Three days later, I get a phone call in my office on Tuesday morning. This lady says, did you go and visit my dad? I said, I went to the room, but he wasn't there. And, uh, and then we started talking. And, and, and she said, but his card, she told me the story. And then she said, but he was, he was getting some tests and he was coming down the hall. And it was him. We worked out it was him. And then she said, because he said he was going home that night. He went home and died at 11 o'clock that night. He had cancer all through his body. He didn't tell me, but he was being sent home to die. That's why the Holy Spirit was so insistent. says, lead him to me now. And then this lady just starts crying and, and yelling on the end of the phone. She said, I've been a Christian for 22 years. I've tried to pray with him. I've tried to talk with him. Every time he would just close me down. He didn't even want to talk about God or Jesus. Never let, never let anyone get close enough to even pray a prayer over him. And then she's just crying with joy. And I thought, isn't that amazing? I share that story because I nearly missed it. I only heard half the message. And that's how we are sometimes as we're learning to flow in the Spirit. This is only a few years ago, and I've been ministering for a long time. And I realized how often do we only hear half the message of what God's saying when it comes to praying for healing, um, ministering to people's souls. We get a blip, so we go, but sometimes we don't ask the next question. Holy Spirit... What do you want me to say or how, how or when do you want me to, to minister to them? And that's what I've learned the last few years. Whenever I get a stirring, a word of knowledge or a, a, a faith stirring to pray for someone for physical or emotional healing or breakthrough, I say, Holy Spirit, what's my part in this and how do you want me to do it? And that's been one of the biggest things where I've seen more and more breakthroughs because I've just, I'm still learning how to do this, working with the Holy Spirit and what he shows me to do. God's good. 
There's so many ways to get healed. We have laying on of hands. We won't go preach this because, you know, there's personal prayer. James 5, that if anyone's troubled, he should pray. There's anointing oil and with the elders. <coughs> many times God used that as a point of contact of faith. There's combined prayer, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is faith in God's Word. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their diseases. There is multitudes of ways that God can bring physical, emotional, spiritual healing to people's lives. But I'm stirred again that we've sometimes let go of the power of the gifts of healing that are supernatural Holy Spirit gifts. I remember 20, 30 years ago when... um, at the end of the charismatic movement, there was many would flow in words of knowledge and there was many people getting healed. I remember being in meetings where 20 or 30 people would regularly get healed when evangelists and people who moved in the, the supernatural and churches that were just, I remember seeing it. And then slowly over the years, we've drifted back and we still do a lot of the other ways for praying healing, but we've, we've, I don't think we've modeled or taught or ministered and stirred people up to receive and flow in the gifts of healing, as I shared about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because when someone gets flowing in the gifts of healing or the working of miracles, they're often flowing together, or the gift of faith, something happens and we break into supernatural territory and a whole lot more happens than doing all the other things, which is body ministry, and we need to do that every day. But I believe we haven't run after and chased after. I remember being in meetings where the power of God, I remember Yongi Cho, 1979, I was traveling around Australia and uh, we happened to be in Adelaide one night and I heard he was on so we found the place and we walked in there and then he preached, I could hardly understand his, because that was one of the first trips to Australia and his English was, his accent was so strong, I'm, I'm wrestling trying to understand what he's saying. He was talking about uh, vision all night and then I realized at the end of the night he was talking about vision and I couldn't work out what he, <laughs> you got to have vision and I'm, <laughs> my head's <laughs> But then he got and started giving words of knowledge for healing. And he, he didn't give a word of knowledge. And then they come out and everyone lays hands on him. As he, before he would finish the word of knowledge, they were jumping up all over the room, healed, totally set free, out of their wheelchairs, broken limbs, stuff. They were jumping up before he'd even finished the word of knowledge. And then they had hundreds of them up on stage testifying. And I sat there and said, God, that's the gift of healing working. And that's the working of miracles. And I've seen that with others. I remember when Clark Taylor first started, we'd go to meetings and, and you'd, you'd have, I remember, eight or 900 people crammed in the old uh, fruit packing shed at Wombai. And night after night, there'd be 20 or 30 or 40 people healed every night and 50 people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost every night. And I said, that's the gifts of the Spirit working in operation. And then over the years, that slowly waned and we only see it occasionally now. I think, Why? Because we haven't run after it, there are seasons in God, we've, we've stopped teaching into it and stepping into it ourselves, because it's not just for the evangelists, for the breakthrough people, it can be for the whole body of Christ. And we have somehow lost that fire, and I, it burns within me, I lie awake at night saying, God, I have visions at night seeing hundreds of people coming to church and the gifts flowing. So I live with this holy excitement and holy dissatisfaction in my life. I have this tension all the time. 
have for years now where I love to see the breakthroughs, but I say, God, you showed me 10 or 20 people come and we had one. But God said, that's okay. Celebrate the one and the faith will grow and you will get more confident and the body will rise and together we will see his kingdom life. If we don't see this happen, we're never going to change our nation fully. We've got to do the whole stuff, influencing our society and, and getting Christians into politics and all the areas of influence and education and all that. But we have to let the Spirit of God do it because that's the only way it's going to change our nation fully. I've been overseas and seen how the Spirit of God breaks loose and a whole town or village is impacted as hundreds come to Christ and get healed. And I, I used to say, why can't that happen in Australia? He said, it can but the body of Christ has lowered their expectation and settled for way less. And we've got so much intellectual thinking in our Christianity instead of just raw Holy Spirit life and power with the wisdom of God, how to communicate it to our modern generation. And I think, God, you've got to stir this again. You've got to raise up hundreds of people across this nation that know how to move in that power and grace. And there's still some doing it, but nowhere near enough. Nowhere near enough. And sadly, some churches don't make any room for it. And I just think, God, God, stir this up again with wisdom, with grace and power. And it costs you something. If you want to live in that realm, you've got to live very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You've got to live with a heart, not weird and wacky, just very natural like Jesus. And like the early disciples, they weren't weird and wacky. The sinners loved to hang out with them. And sinners won't hang around wacky, religious, weird people. But they'll hang around with people who have got something of life and grace and love and truth and the supernatural flows. They love to hang around that. They, they do. They do. And God's Spirit is at work. And I just believe God's saying, hey, don't settle for less. We see that gifts of healing. Peter and John with the, the lame man at the temple. I don't have any money. Sounds like some of us Pentecostal preachers. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Grabbed his hand. That's the gift of healing at work. The working of miracles. The gift of faith came. It says in uh, Acts 5, the apostle performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by people. When you read that verse and the next one, it says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's a contradiction, but it's not. There weren't any half-hearted people or people with their own agendas hung around because remember, and Nisaphira dropped dead because they'd lied about their offering. So there was a fear of God and they knew that God was in the house and so it said many people came because they knew this wasn't boring religion. This was life. This was life. And then it goes on and says, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow could fall on them and some be, as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and their tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I'm just crazy enough to believe that that can happen again. I don't know how and when, and, and it'll, it'll look different in 2017, but we need that sort of move of the Spirit of God that shakes the very foundations of our nation, of our churches. We, as leaders, we've got to be the ones that are willing to embrace it and make room for it. 
And you can't make it happen, but you can make room for it to happen and say, God, teach us how to be led by your spirit in all of your fullness. Because it says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, all flesh. And we haven't seen that yet. And the pressure in our nation is growing, so it'll, it'll sh- challenge Christians to stand up and be counted. And those who aren't strong in their faith will be bowed down and pulled back because of the opposition and the intimidation that's coming. This is challenging days, but it's actually good days for the church. You go into Vietnam and China and, and uh, you pray, pray for God to lift the persecution. They said, no, 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 we're praying that you get some persecution. That's the only thing that's got us really moving in this land. And we've resisted that sort of prayer, but God knows we've been way too comfortable and way too accepting of where we are in our churches, but God's drawing us with a passion and a faith and a stirring. And some of you have been around earlier in the moves of the Spirit of God. Some of the young ones haven't seen that as powerfully, but let me tell you, God's stirring it again and again and again, and He's going to raise up some people really quickly. Jesus did ministry all different than we do. He released the demoniac with all the demons in him. The anointing was so strong on Jesus, he set him free, immediately released him as the director of evangelism for his 10 cities. We would have waited a year or two to get him trained and make sure he was debugged fully by all the strongholds of darkness. She said, no, you go and be the evangelist for Decapolis, the 10 towns around this place, immediately. And that freaks us out. We're thinking, wow, how could we do that? It was because the anointing was so strong and the kingdom life was so powerful that people were radically transformed and released into ministry almost immediately at times. That's not to minimize training, equipping, discipling, mentoring. All of that stuff is absolutely essential. But we've done some of that to lock things down and slow the process When the Spirit of God really works, He knows how to change and transform a person's life. And yeah, we need the boundaries and safety, but we've we've made church so complicated. And I believe God wants to simplify some of the things. And you you hear my heart. You've got to have wisdom with the whole process and boundaries and honoring of leaders and, and all of those things. But I think sometimes we have hindered in trying to make everything right. Acts 14, 8, at Lystra um, sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That challenges me. I thought, how many times have I been preaching or ministering and there's someone there ready to get healed and I haven't even seen their faith? I haven't even led it, eh? He obviously saw a response, a cry, an anticipation. The guy might have been sitting down and reaching out, looking intently while others are getting bored. There would have been some signs. Sometimes it'll be physical signs. Sometimes you just see into the Spirit. And they mightn't be showing anything, but your Spirit knows. See, the gift of faith comes where you see in the Spirit. And I just wish we moved in the gift of faith more. The gift of faith goes you beyond natural faith into supernatural faith. And I've told the story of the lady I saw walk in and God gave me a gift of faith and I knew she was going to get healed. There's been other times for finances or programs or ministry where you just know that you know that you know. 
And you, it, it's almost impossible to talk yourself out of it. That's when the gift of faith's working. The problem is getting to that place where you can receive that and live in it is our challenge because that's where the mind wrestles. We think we're not good enough, we're not spiritual enough, haven't prayed, haven't prayed and fasted for a while. All that stuff comes and so we get into the whole works trip or the last time we tried that it didn't work so the enemy says, no, it's not you, it's, 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 it's Ben Natoka, we'll get him in and he'll, sort, he'll, he'll have a move of God. So, so we, get, we get the prophet or the evangelist or the breakthrough person. That's awesome because you need them to stir up the body but God's saying, how about you as the body the local pastors the teams learning to make room for this and see what God will do and God will show you what that looks like in your church or your ministry it may be just making some more room to pray for the sick every Sunday it may be you believing to give a word of knowledge every week for the next month so you just start to press in and believe for it and so you, you get focused on it. You say, God, God, I'm going to get out there. And as you do and you start to pray, you mobilize your people in your life groups and your prayer groups to be believing for the supernatural to happen in a safe, that's where I learned, was in a safe environment of a prayer group or a life group or a home group. Equipping people. And I, this is not the only thing in church. Like There's multitudes of things. But I, I just feel the Spirit of God saying, hey, we've got to get this back into the center where it's meant to be. Because if we do, let me tell you, people come. And as soon as you start to do this, the Holy Spirit starts to send the hungry people. We're seeing increasing numbers on Sundays just showing up at church. Just showing up. About a lady three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, a young lady, had never seen her before. She was in church. She said, I slipped in the back seat last Sunday. And, she, and I said, what's your story? She said, I was brought up in church, haven't been to church for a long time. I lived on the Sunshine Coast. God stirred my heart. I need to get my life right with God. No one's talked to her. She said, I found my old Sunday school teacher at Biwa. Went and saw her two weeks ago. She led me back to Jesus. I live up here now and I've come to church. We're hearing those stories nearly every week now because the Spirit of God is at work. And as soon as you start to make room for the Spirit, He says, I can trust. I can start to send people to that place now. And you'll get the supernatural ones like that. You'll get others that people invite their neighbors and friends. And you'll see it just start to multiply because God says, well, they're having a go, they're still learning, but this is a safe place to send some people that are ready to encounter Jesus. And you'll find, because when you make room for the presence and the Spirit of God, He will then work with you like He did with the disciples. And we overcomplicate that sometimes. And I just believe God's stirring out. Some of you have got increasing numbers of stories like that are happening. It's the work of the Spirit. I always say the Spirit of God's doing more outside the church than is inside the church. Because he said he's striving with all men that they would come to repentance. So the Holy as you pray over your church, over your city and your community, and as you worship, guess what? The Holy Spirit's moving all across our community all the time, trying to reach people and draw them in. And we think, Holy Spirit, come and do your work in the church. He says, I will, but I'm working on all people all the time. And we forget that. That he's out there striving, stirring, challenging reminding, making sure they meet a Christian every so often. They flick on the telly and they see something on and think, whoa, what's that? The new workmate just happens to go to church and says, hey, have you thought about coming along? That, we're going to see that spirit activity multiply rapidly in the coming days. I really, really believe that because the Spirit of God's at work. And God wants us to make room for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Mary Lynn to come up and share for a few minutes on just some of the ways that God stirred us and her heart on healing to come in 
spirit and emotional areas. I know that many of you are already functioning pastors and leaders and have been doing this for years. And, and just by the fact that you're here, that shows that hunger and that your desire to, to do this and to, to really excel in, in being a good pastor. And I just really commend you for that. And I just want to remind you that, that the Holy Spirit has been sent and when, when Jesus said um, in John 14, 26, he said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, for whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said to you. I just want to encourage you this morning that, that God will remind you. He reminds you again that you are like, you are sent. You are, you are good for this. <laughs> you have what you need. The Spirit of the, of the Lord is upon you. Like Ross read, Jesus said, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach, to heal, to deliver, to proclaim. And the same anointing is on you. And I just want to just remind, remind you of that. And I'd love to do a little exercise before we break for morning tea and uh, to, to just... Uh, just to sort of cap up what I'm trying to say here <clears throat> this morning. And, you know, I found that it's like um, I've got three things that I do. You will have your sweet spot. You will have where you know um, the Holy Spirit flows through you. I love to pick up the thread of what God's doing in a meeting. Often I am and for those of you that MC, we've got these brilliant songs that Hillsong and Planet Shakers and, and others have taught us how to worship with these amazing songs. And within those songs, there are moments of encounter. There are, there are places where we can worship, where we can, we can stop and just draw down and draw on that anointing. And when I get up, I try to pick up the thread. Sometimes it's the song choice and it's what God spoke to you. You know, that preparation that Ben was talking about and um, just saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What do you want to do in this, in this meeting to these people? Because we have multiple services. So every congregation is different. Every time you look down, there's a few extra... Um, double ups but most of them it's, it's a new congregation so you need a new word you need a new look at them and saying you know what do you want to say to these people and and I feel that there's there's three things that I do and it's very similar to what Ben said last night when I I go to to pick up this red I'll finish what I was saying there that um and it comes through the the Holy Spirit it's just to run with that run with that thread and it might be a simple um, as you know, uh, like my redeemer, he is my redeemer, and that might come into my kinsman redeemer that he is restoring, renewing, rebuilding the fabric of your soul. And you take a step of faith along that word redeem to bring back. I'm drawing you back. It's just as simple as a word sometimes. And and the way I get to that and is I empty myself of things that are bothering me. It could be personal sin, something that I know that I've grieved the Holy Spirit on. I ask forgiveness. So I say, Lord, I'm really sorry. You know, I really blew it there. I lost my temper. 
I, I was impatient at the lights. I was, you know, what did I, just whatever it is that a personal sin, we all do stuff that's not good <laughs> at times. And, and just to be honest and say, oh, God, cleanse me, forgive me, pour through me with your Holy Spirit, cleanse me and make me holy. And then I open myself and I just say, fill me. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to say to this people, to this daughter, to this son? And I, and I wait. And then I, I let it download and receive from the Holy Spirit. And then I take a step of faith. So I empty, I fill, and I step. <laughs> I take a step of faith. Like with that one word, run with it. And you'll be amazed at what God will do with, with one little insight, one, one small revelation. And in this, this, the whole area of healing, it's, it's a real, to, to develop this, there's a partnership between the Word and the Holy Spirit and, and working to, to really understand what He's doing and, and how He wants to, to use you. And protecting that and cultivating that is your connection with the Father. And understanding, understanding how good he is and what and how he is leading you and taking those steps of faith. I um when we pray for people on the altar, some um we always make room, we always always try to have an altar call. It would be a rare day that we don't. Because it's, again, it's another opportunity to encounter God. It's another opportunity for people to, to come to Christ, even for the first time. And, and so it's, it's something that we always um, try to do. And last night when um, Ben prayed for us, well, I was just kind of wasn't sure if I wanted, I was waiting for others to come up and get prayer. And I got really touched by God. I and, and just the word that you had for me, it impacted me deeply. And I felt the power of the Holy Spirit go through me and I fell down. And I probably should have stayed down. <laughs> but I knew, <laughs> because I knew that, that God was doing something very deep in me. And I've had many times of healing over the years and I came from I had some trauma in my childhood and um, things that that had really um, hindered and influenced me emotionally and God has done this over and over and over so beautifully and so gently and this is how I've learned to tap into that Holy Spirit give him whatever comes to the surface whatever that pain is that it can be a painful memory it can be simply harassment the enemy just harassing with this bombard of negative self-talk and being able to give that to him and take authority in the spirit and then take a step of faith and so this is what I've learned both physical healing I've had that too and um and this an emotional healing and freedom so last night there's a way of explanation. When I get up, I don't know about you, but my spirit is sort of in deep in here. And when I get so impacted like that, I, I, get, I get sort of a, a jerk <laughs> inside and it looks terrible. But it happened to me last night. And I was, oh, 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 you know, I was trying to stand up and pray because I knew that, you know, we were, I was supposed to be doing that, you know. And um, what used to happen to me years ago is when we were when we were younger, Ross would it was just Ross and I often when we started, 
and we would pray for people at the altar. Holy Spirit would come and I would get, and I could feel it. Here it comes. And I would, I'd be praying for someone and I'd go, Tunk. and they're standing there. What about me? What, what about me? Get up. And I'm, and I'm just out to it, you know. And then I just was useless on the altar call. And so I... Yeah, and he kept praying, and and this happened to me from time to time over the years, and and it would just, it was most annoying, you know, because I didn't quite know how to, um, you know, like receive the anointing and impart, and you know, like, the, so when I had this little picture in my mind, that that it was like those old-fashioned you know, showers, you know, where the shower comes out, and then there's a nozzle that you push, and the water goes into the bath. And it was, it was as simple as that. What I was doing last night, it took all my faith to, to not just go dunk backwards because it was, the anointing was so strong and moving that, that I put my hand up and I'd say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to, or to him, you know, your son? And, and literally sort of push that valve so that it goes through me to you instead of through me and I'm on the floor. <laughs> And it's just a, it's just a simple thing that I, I, I learnt to by faith. See what that's a point of contact. That's like once you've done the preparation, you've prepared your heart, you've the anointing is within you, and you know that. You, and now you're stepping out in faith. Now you're operating on a Sunday. Now you're you're ministering to someone in your office. Now you're talking to someone in your family. How do I impart that anointing? And myself, and and when, and feeling his love and his power, because I just you get so excited when you when you feel his presence and know that he's real, and it's like oh this is gonna be really good, and then I'm gonna give it to you, and and it's just being able to you know when you feel it, the spirit of God flow through you so beautifully. It's so uh, such a privilege. It's such an honor, and it's just so powerful. And I just want to encourage you. No matter what works for you. What visual picture you have to have to get into your the sweet spot where you are receiving a download. You could be a really anointed teacher. You could be a really anointed worship leader. You could be a really anointed counselor where, we, where you are knowing that the anointing is flowing through you and ministering healing. And it doesn't have to be a big Pentecostal screaming match. We have this beautiful ministry called Zozo Ministry in the church and it comes from Bethel and and I love it because it's very anointed, it's very powerful, but it's very gentle and it's very it's bathed in love and and people get set free from oppression and demonic um, strongholds and things that have been part of their lives. But they work the the um, facilitator the council works with the person to to walk through their freedom. And um, Carol Yates is our uh, the director of, of the um, Zozo for our region. Carol, do you want to stand up for a second? If Carol sees you in the... This is Carol Yates and um, Bev and her husband. They do a lot of counselling. Thanks, Carol, for us. And it's just a really beautiful... Yeah, well done, girl. <laughs> it's just a beautiful ministry and um, that she can probably explain a little bit more to you um, for time-wise, I, I think, um, later on. But um, I just, just that it's kind of like there's, 
keyhole surgery as opposed to open heart surgery. You know, like it's more precise, it's more gentle and effective. And the person empowers the person to hear from God themselves. So they don't have to come back to you to hear from God. Like they can, they can download from the Holy Spirit. And what's the truth? And, and be able to recognise the lies. Because, you know, more than ever before, our, our community, our society needs us to be sharpened in this area of discernment, taking the authority that Jesus gave us to be able to really minister in all these levels. Because this, the, the, what's been stirred up in our country, we'll talk about that a bit later, but you'll be fully aware, the more I read, the more disturbed I become. And I think of what's happening to our beautiful nation. But we need, as ministers, to be able to be discerning. Discerning, discerning, discerning. Of the spirit of the people around us, the atmosphere that we're walking into, and what's the tool that we need to use for that? Is it the gift of working of miracles? Is it that, that a word of prophecy that we need? What do we need to download in order to minister at that precise moment? Because you will be called on to do things that, that we've only seen and occasionally moved in. We're going to be called on to move in this every day. We're going to need this power we're going to need to exercise our authority in the name of Jesus it's a partnership with the word his name and our willingness to step out in faith and to and to just put aside the things that would so easily trip us up I've had a real battle this year with my health started the year many of you know I had surgery on my thyroid removed and it was, I was sitting in a ward having an operation in very early January and I was trying to feel the presence of God. And, and I don't know about you, but when you're lined up and every person in the ward has the cancer and I'm in the bed here and I have thyroid cancer and I'm getting operated next, it's not the most anointed place to be. And I just kept saying I had Darlene Check's book and I kept it with me <laughs> till the very last minute because there's such power in worship. There is such an anointing. Uh, that's one of my sweet spots is worshipping and, and being able to empty myself of, of whatever's troubling me, what, whatever is limiting me, whatever, um, even just plain laziness, <laughs> just getting in and worshipping and making an effort to worship. You open yourself, you position yourself to receive. And, and I was there and I was, I was just going over a prayer that I read in her book and, and was from an old saint. It was Francis of Assisi. You know, Christ before me, Christ below me, Christ beneath me, Christ behind me, Christ around me, Christ beside me, Christ to the left. Christ. I was just quoting this, that, that Christ is with me and he's in me and flowing through me. And then as I began to declare that by faith, even though around me there's a woman, we were sort of like toe to toe. She was next after me and she was really in trauma. She was crying and they had counsellor around her and, and it was not a nice environment. But I felt the Spirit of God come, you know. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know, he's 
his Holy Spirit. And I put my hand out and I went, there, oh, thank you. You're here. I just, yeah, duh. of course I'm here. <laughs> You've just been saying, Christ behind me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ. And I said, I'm here, I'm here. I just, and I just felt and that was my step of faith. It was as simple as just, I've got you. He's got me with his right hand and my left hand. He is, he's, he's got me with his righteous right arm. And I just and claimed that. And I went through, I breathed, went through that operation. I've come through last week. I got a clear bill of health. And I'm, and I'm just so grateful. I'm thankful. Why don't we praise him? <laughs> Thank you so much, Lord. But I've had to. My energy levels have really taken a pummel. I used to regularly exercise and stuff that, that I've just had to use the energy to get through the day until, you know, my thyroid, living without a thyroid is quite interesting. I had no idea it did so much. <laughs> anyway, um, but, you know, thank God for the modern medicine and what, what you know, like the balance that, that they, the doctors have been able to help me with. But there are times when I have to step, and many of you do exactly this, if people, I know people that live with pain, chronic pain, and they do this every day. They just say, God, I, I give you the concerns of my, my children, my finance, my, my health, our community. This is what's troubling me, and I empty myself. It's like a divine exchange. I give this to you, and I take on your Holy Spirit yoke. I just reminding myself that you are with me. I'm, you will bring to my remembrance, the scripture says, what you need to know. And just like Jesus, he will, that you get that download from the Father. And then when we get it, even if it's one word, even if it's you know, good shepherd, <laughs> I'm a good shepherd, and you take a step of faith. Do you know this morning that, that he is your shepherd, that he wants to shepherd you, not only you, but your family and your children and your grandchildren. He hasn't forgotten your grandchildren. And you run in, in obedience and faith with one word, he will download, boom, sermon after sermon. You know, it's amazing. It's really, really good. I know time's gone. But I'd just like to do one simple exercise. I just, if you wouldn't mind standing with me, just before we break for morning tea. And just, like I said, just hand over. Just even if you could put your arms out in front of you and say, here it is, Lord. I give you the cares, the concerns, the things I need to do. We've all got a to-do list. Name them in your heart. And by faith, Heavenly Father, we ask the Holy Spirit that you sent would remind us of what is truth. What is it that you want to say to me today? Can you say that, please? What do you want to say to me? We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Spirit of God, we just love you so much. We're just so appreciative 
for the way that you speak to our hearts. Thank you for the truth that you remind us of. I pray, God, that you will seal these truths that you've reminded your bro- your my brothers and sisters, your sons, your daughters, with the truth that you have reminded them right now that they can write it down right now in Jesus' name. We love you. What did he say to you? You need to write that down. Type it in your phone. Because that's truth. And it's that truth that you need to remind yourself when the enemy pummels you with with accusation after accusation, the enemy of our soul, anything he can do to rob you of confidence, the Lord just said to me, you're doing better than you think. Be kind to yourself. You are doing better than you think. I really want you to write that down. Take a minute. You've got got a couple of minutes. Write down what the Holy Spirit told you. And if we're going to have a break soon, but please write it down because it's that that you're called to remembrance and what he speaks to you. This is so simple. Sometimes we're just trying too hard and uh, Lord's reminding you, you're doing better than you think. Oh Lord, that's beautiful. You're doing better than you think. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't compare. Because God's wired you up so unique, so beautiful with a personality, eh? experiences. God's wired you up. He's put you where you are. Some of you have been, the enemy's really contended with you this last six or 12 months, trying to dislodge you from your sphere of ministry because he's he's really afraid of what the body of Christ is stepping into he's the enemy always overplays his hand he just drives us closer to God if we don't give up and and some of you he's just calling us to get our eyes I started seeing that beautiful little song while my Marilyn was sharing open my eyes Lord I want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him and say that I love you. Open my ears, Lord, and cause me to listen. Open my eyes, Lord, I want to see Jesus. And what I, saw, I, what I see happening in the coming days and months, some of you are going to start to see in the Spirit so much clearer. It will just happen. It will be like someone's hit the play button and you start to see more simply and clearly in the Spirit. And some of you are going to start hearing stuff. You're going to hear clearer. It's like you'll be in the shower and all of a sudden you just know what you've got to do that day. You'll wake up and it'll be in your spirit. You'll be in prayer or you'll be in, in a meeting and you think, wow, I really know God wants to touch people but I'm not sure how to do it and all of a sudden it'll just come. Holy Spirit, what do I do here? And it'll just be like that. And he's a God of variety. Don't put him in a box. We would like to have just safe steps and traditions and Stuff and, and the Holy Spirit loves to work with variety. But it takes faith every time he gets you to do something different or fresh. And we wrestle because we're afraid. 
to step out. But I just feel the Holy Spirit just drawing us, saying, you can do it. You can do it. And, and he's going to open our eyes to see so much clearer. Believe for the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you and your church. When you're ministering at the altar like we did last night, when I start to pray for someone, I say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing here? And sometimes it's a physical need. And often I start with a physical and before 10 seconds in the prayer, I'm praying for the rejection to break off of their life. I'm praying for healing of that traumatic wound. <clears throat> I'm praying for that stressful family situation to lose its grip over their mind and their heart. I'm praying that they will sleep better tonight. And the Holy Spirit takes you on this journey and before you know it, you're praying, ministering healing to their soul and their spirit and their mind, not just their body. And sometimes we're a little bit cautious about how to do that. And I believe, as Mary Lynn's taught us, we just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And so I believe God wants us to step into that realm more, not, not crazily, not pressing people. Let's treat people with grace, with kindness, with love. Our role is to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life. We don't have to sort out their life. We don't have to heal them. This took a whole lot of pressure on me years ago. And, and I said, Holy Spirit, help me to cooperate with what you're doing and saying in their life at this moment. And that takes a whole lot of pressure off. You say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in the people that are in front of me this Sunday while I'm preaching? And I'm going to talk a little bit more tonight. And uh, just for a few minutes, I'm going to talk about um, how do we make room for the Spirit and to make more space for that encounter to happen in various places. Because I just think God just wants to make it so clear. Lord, I thank you for just speaking to us today. Lord, that personal word that has just released the pressure of some people feeling like, I don't have all those gifts and I don't know how to do it. And Oh, God, just release that off their hearts. Lord, for some that have been pushing hard to to see their ministry and their prophetic or their gifts flow, and they've been pushing hard to try and make it happen. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness because we don't have to promote ourselves. We don't have to push hard. But as we're led by the Spirit, you will a man's gift will make room for him. And the Holy Spirit will open doors in the community and the church and across the body of Christ for you to flow. I lift off that pressure that we've got to make it happen. We do have to be hungry. We do need to desire. We need to make room. But Lord, I lift off that pressure that we've got to make it happen this Sunday. Lord, we just lift that off. And I just pray for your Holy Spirit. You would just lead us and teach us. And thank you for that in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.